The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. That's right. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast exclusive to the Blaze, the show where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you had a wonderful and blessed Christmas and New Year. Wow, it's 2018. This is a new year, new show, new me, same principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today. I want to talk to you about one of the big issues that's been happening in your country this week, um, immigration. If you've been following the the narrative and the the media, you're listening to a lot of arguments from both all the talking heads, from the Republicans to the Democrats to the mainstream media to the right media. And what I want to do today is I want to actually just take a step back. I don't want to make it political. I actually want to talk to you about immigration. And I want to break down every argument that is popular and give it to you in in a very simple sense, but give it to you in a sense of not from an American or not from a political point of view, but from an outsider's point of view. It's maybe the one issue I can talk about at length because of my experience. But before we get there, I have to lay the groundwork for this to talk about immigration and to explain one thing that is crystal clear to me that I think you need to understand. And some of you are not going to like this. Immigration, like so many issues in America, has become political. The narrative is all politics. What happened this week, let me be blunt, what happened this week in D.C. was nothing more than a play. What happened this week in D.C. was nothing more than a script. I've seen realer wrestling than what happened in D.C. this week. That's that's how blunt I will be. Because you have all the the jockeying and the positioning on on who's going to win and who's going to lose and who's the bargaining chip and what we can do. Let me be blunt. Both sides want comprehensive immigration reform. Both sides, both Republicans and Democrats. The only difference between Republicans and Democrats is the Democrats will be honest with you and go, we want it. The Republicans will try and go, well, we got to fight for it and it's not really what we want, but okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll try and give you the best deal. So let me give you why both sides want it. You want the, the, the truest statement of immigration about your political system? Here it is. The left understand America and the system that they're in. And what the left need is more voters. That is pure and simple. There's been leaked memos. If you want to go do some research, Google some of the re- read, the released memos this week from the Democratic Party going, 
We're looking at the system. We're looking at America right now. We're looking at the demographics. We're, we're looking at our, the way we can be successful. Yeah, we need new voters and we need them badly. So that is why the left and the Democratic Party wants amnesty. Why does the Republican Party want amnesty? Let me be blunt. They want cheap labor. The Republican Party, the vast majority of the Republican Party, for the longest time, this is not a Donald Trump thing, or this isn't a thing about the last year, for those who think, well, this is just another bash on Trump. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. This is historical. Okay? The right has been in bed for as long as I can remember with the Chamber of Commerce. They want cheap labor. Oh, sure, they'll, they'll huff and they'll puff. But look at the arguments that the right, quote-unquote, make. Look at those who are silent this week. Where are the conservatives, quote-unquote, fighting for against this bill? They want cheap labor. And what happens is you have people who want cheap votes and future voters, and you have people who want cheap labor coming together to put on a show. And on the sidelines, you have people who are very silent. Because they know long-term, they also need amnesty. Those people are the unions. Because what they want is, in some way, shape, or form, if you look at union memberships, it's down. If you look at some of the cases that are going to be held on whether people can be forced to pay union dues, those cases are coming up, and the chances are they're going to be repealed. You're going to have a right to work. The unions are sitting back going, we wouldn't mind amnesty because, you know, I know it, it kind of will, will hurt the people we're representing, but we need our membership is down. We need new members too. So what you're seeing is all the people coming together wanting it. By vast majority, the people who don't want it are each and every one of you, the American people. But also, if you want to stop this, You have to understand the media and the politicians are painting phony narratives of your opposition. This is a theme that is going to be going through this show for the year. We need to stop with the phony narratives of your people. Because I I am honestly, everything I do, I try and promote your people. You know this and your principles. But these phony narratives of your politics need to stop. Because the caricatures that are being painted are usually wrong. Do some of them exist? Yes. But are they the vast majority? No. On this issue, I see so many of my friends on the right, quote-unquote, going every left, every person who's a Democrat just wants to destroy America. Are there some people? Sure. Are there some people who are big Bernie Sanders supporters? Yes. Are they the vast majority of the, the people, the voting bloc? I don't think so. Likewise, on the right, I have my friends on the left going, well, all you rightists, all your right-wing tea-buyers, you're racist, you're xenophobe, you're homophobe, and you just want some type of purity. You just, you just, you, you want a, a white nation. Are there some people like that on the right? Yes. Even though I would argue, point blank, they're not on the right if you understand the traditional left-right divide. We've been down this road before. But there are people, quote-unquote, on the right who are like the KKK. They're not on the right in a traditional sense. They're on the right in the European sense. That's a a topic for another show. But there are people like that who, who just want white people. But here's the thing. The vast majority of both sides are not like that. 
What you're seeing is a narrative to stop you talking to each other, to have common sense and actually work together to stop a bill that will be a disaster for your country, that will be a nightmare for your country, and a bill that yet again will not work. But until both sides put their guns down and realize that you're being played by your political party and your media, you won't be successful. It's why one of the reasons, of the many reasons, I finish this show the same way each and every week. America is great because Americans are good. It's not because of your politicians. It's not because of your media. It's not because of the talking heads. It's because of your people. But so many people are so, well, I'm a Republican and I can't talk to a Democrat because they suck. And I'm a Democrat and I can't talk to the right because they suck. Just put your shield down for a minute and just listen and actually have a conversation. But let's get to the issue, shall we? Let's break down each and every issue. So let's start at the beginning. A lot of people, and these are on both sides, I have libertarian friends who argue this, and I have liberal and democratic friends who argue this. What we need is just open borders. Open borders, Just let's just have open borders, so therefore everyone can come and everyone can just do what they want. The arguments are, it's not fair. This word, I hear this word so much. It's not fair to refuse someone. It's not fair. It's not right. I have my libertarian friends going, well, I'm for freedom, John. I thought you were for freedom. We, I believe in the free movement of people. Are, 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 you, are you telling me your government can tell you what you can and can't do? Um, yes. And this is not an anti-freedom thing. So let's break this down. Because let's break this down to its core, because this is what I want to do today. I don't want to talk about the politics of it. I want to talk about just the simple points that needs to be raised. So let's just talk about the free movement of people, shall we? Because people would say, well, you have a right to go anywhere you want. Okay, do I, where do I have a right to go and where does that right stop? Where does that right stop? Do I have a right to come into your house? Do I have a right to come to your place of work? Do I have a uh, a right to go into any place I want to? To uh, if I'm underage, do I have a right to go into a strip club? If I do, I have a right to to um, to go onto private property. Because let me talk to my friends on the libertarian movement. You believe in private property unless things have changed, right? Do I have a right just to walk in and go, well, it's not fair. You you can't stop me going onto your property. When you want open borders, what you're saying is effectively in in a small sense, in in a very small micro sense of you, is you just want to have your door open and anyone can come into your house. Do you think that's realistic? Do you think anyone can just come into your house? And just go, well, if you just, you know, if you say no to them, you're a racist, a xenophobe, and a homophobe, and every other phobe that you want to be. You do not have a right to do certain things. You do not have a right to have free movement in places that you are not born. And this is not an American thing. This is a worldwide thing. So I'm an Irishman. I don't have a right. What right do I have to go to America and go, hey, hello, I'm Irish, let me in. What right do I have to go to England and go, hey, I'm, I'm Irish, I'm Irish John, hey, I'm Freedom's Disciple, hey, I want to come in, hey. 
What, 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 what right is that? We're just, at this point, one of the things, just on a sidebar, one of the focuses this show is going to be is actually talking about what rights you actually do have. Because what frustrates me is so many people love to talk about rights today. They don't actually know the rights that they do have, but they're making up rights. Like, well, you could just go where you want. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You do not have a right to infringe on other people's rights. Because that's what the rights is. You have, a, you have certain rights, but that does not give you a right to infringe on other people's rights. That's where your rights stop. I don't have a right to go to another country. Would it be nice? Would the free movement of people be nice? Sure. But with checks and balances. Because what we always seem to do, and what I find a lot of people do, is when they talk about the free movement of people, it is, look, is the free movement of people a wonderful novel idea? In a simplicity sense, in a in a in unrealistic, unworldly sense, it's a wonderful idea. Look, to have people, good people going around all over the world, you know, to be able to say, hey, look, I'm I'm an Irishman. I have broken no laws. I have no criminal record. I have no intent of doing bad harm. Should I be able to go to America? It would be nice. Would it be nice to go to Australia, to New Zealand, to Europe? Sure. Because I am a quote-unquote good person. Depend, actually, that depends on who you ask. Because there's a lot of people who would say, well, you're, you're, you're one of those freedom-loving people. You're bad. You're, you're an anarchist. You're, 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 you, you talk about rights. You, and you, oh, and you talk about God a lot. You're not a good person. There are those people who would talk like that. But in the general sense, I don't mean anyone any harm. If I go to Europe or to America or to Australia, I'm not going with bad intentions. So in a purest sense, the free movement of people is a wonderful idea. However, the key sentence, there was one key word in that little sentence I just said. Good. Because there are people who do not have good intentions. There are people out there who go, I actually have bad intentions. And I'll, I'll, a lot of people tend to go to the terrorism. Okay, well, we can talk about terrorism. There are bad, bad people who want to destroy America for many different reasons. You have all the alphabet soup of the terrorist groups. You have Hamas, you have Hezbollah, you have the Taliban, you have Al-Qaeda, you have ISIS, you have ISIL, if you, even though that's a wrong term, but you can use them. You have Boko Haram. You have all these groups that are wanting to destroy America who would love nothing more than to cross the southern border and do a major, major terrorist attack or just to kill a load of Americans. That would be wonderful for them. But you also have the other side of it. It's not just terrorism on the southern border. You have gangs like MS-13. You have people who want to cause major damage. You have people who want to get involved in crime. You have people who want to just go over and rape people, murder people. There are bad, bad people. Now, are they the majority? No. But let me use a line from our liberal friends, if I may. If I could just save one child, wouldn't it be worth it? Just one child, wouldn't it be worth it? You want to have free movement of people? Okay. You have to understand there are checks and balances. But it goes even so much further than that. Because whether you like it or not, 
and this is UN talk. And people, I know when I talk about the UN, people's eyes glaze over and go, I don't care, just defund them, I don't want to know. You have to know what the UN talk about because you can use what they stand for and what they are supposed to stand for against them. Whether you want to go for the UN, whether you want to go for its predecessor, the League of Nations, or whether you just want to forget about the world bodies and just understand international law has been around a very, very long time. International law and international norms have been around a long time. One of the oldest staples, if not the oldest staple in international law, is the right to state sovereignty. The right to control what happens within your borders. If you want to be blunt about it, what's happening is, if you're following what's happening in the United Nations right now on Iran, Nikki Haley in America is going, we're watching what's happening on Iran, and we're, you're on notice. The rest of the United Nations is kind of going, it doesn't affect us. What happens in Iran happens in Iran. It's a version of state sovereignty. You can pretty much do what's in your borders, what's in your borders. You can control your people if you want. It's why the United Nations ducks and dives and picks and chooses on who it speaks out against. If, it, if America did something wrong, well, the United Nations would speak out. But if another country did, they go, oh, well, that's state sovereignty. We respect that. Let them worry about their own. But that is international law and international norms. You have a right to control what happens in your country. So let's take this towards me. I'm an Irishman, not an American. I'm a wannabe American. You know that. Do I have a right to come into your country? Uh, No. And let me be blunt about this, because this word fair goes around an awful lot. Well, you know, we have to be fair about things. We have to. No, you don't. This not idea or this this line that you have to be fair is ridiculous. Would it be nice if a country was fair? Absolutely. Does it have to be? No. Any country, and let's just not make this about America, because America is full of races and all this, apparently. Let's make this about any country. You could look at me and go, I'm not letting you in for any reason. You could go, you know what? You know, we, we've had a bad experience in our country. You know, people who, who are, are follically challenged and, and can't grow hair on their heads, we don't want you. We think it's a sign from Buddha or Allah or something. You know, if you don't have enough hair in your head or you can't grow hair in your head, um, we don't want, we don't, we think you're bad luck or we don't think you're smart enough. We don't want you in the country. Okay. Would that suck? Absolutely. If you wanted to visit that country or go be part of that country, but they have a right to refuse you. You do not have a right to be in that country. They could look at me in another country, and this might happen one day. Well, you know, look at you. Wow, you're a big boy. You'd eat a lot of food. Hmm. Yeah, we. that's that's not fair. That would be an unfair alla, uh, allocation of resources in your behalf. You take more than other people. Uh, yeah, we don't want you. People could look at me going, you know what? You talk about God an awful lot, you know, and we think you're dangerous. We don't want you. You don't have to be fair about letting people into your country. Now, would it be nice? Absolutely. Should we encourage people to let good people into countries? Absolutely. But you do not have a right to be anywhere else. I do not have a right to be in America any more than I have a right to sit, go into my neighbor's house, sit on their sofa going, hey, I have a right to be here. It doesn't work that way. But lastly, 
Because later on in the show, I'd ask you to stick with me. I am actually going to give you the solutions to immigration right now. And I'll also give them to you in a way that you can actually discuss things. So if you're thinking right now that you don't like what I'm saying, just bear with me till the end because part of the solutions are for you and are something that you can talk to your friends about. The last thing I would ask you to think about on the open borders is whether you like to or not, one of the things you have to have some part of your brain has to think about is well what are the consequences of my actions the system we have in place what are the consequences of it now you may not care about them you may only care about five percent of the consequences but you have to think about them in some way shape or form it's a simple law of physics and chemistry for every action there is an equal or greater reaction so what are the reactions and actions that are happening right now because of open borders and because of the, or not really open borders, but because of America being, in one case, really tough on immigration and on the other part, really lax. What are the consequences? Well, again, let me use the line my liberal friends used to use a lot. If it can just save one child, it would be worth it. I can't get a tear out. Um, It shows you I'm not a liberal. What are the consequences? Well, what you have right now is people who are desperate to get into America putting their lives and their security and their trust in people who have bad intentions. The gangs along the southern border. That's the most extreme version of it. Where they're potentially put in a situation where they're raped, where they're, they're mugged, where they're beaten up. Or whether they feel, whether part of the payment, because this does happen, part of the payment is, okay, look, we'll get you across the border and we'll get you housed, and, and, or not housed, but, you know, settled in an area in maybe New York or Boston or California, and we'll know where you are and you owe us. So even if you have a person who's crossing the southern border with, you know, good intention, just wanting a better life for themselves, wanting to leave the slums and the poverty that they've come from, and they've decided to, to get with a gang. They could have the best intentions in the world. They now owe a gang member something. And because they may not speak the language. And, and they may not have any friends over there. They may not know anybody. Because they're illegal. They're not exactly you know outgoing. Who are they going to turn to when the gang says. Okay it's, it's time to pull in that favour. We need you to. And even, it could be something simple. And I use that word very very loosely. It could be something simple like, we need you to, you know, carry an ounce of drugs, heroin. Or we need you to go buy something. Are they going to refuse? But also, the other consequences is, and you saw this story before Christmas, you know, where you have 20, 30 people in the back of a truck and they get very sick. And I think a couple of people died from it. That is the consequence of your current system. And again, I use my liberal line friends. Surely, if we could just save one child's life, if we could just save one life, it would be worth it. You want to solve immigration? When we come back after this break, I'm going to continue breaking down the narratives that you hear. But at the end, I'm going to give you the solutions. And they are very simple solutions. They don't require a law. They don't require a bill. They require Donald Trump, the Republicans and the Democrats to do absolutely nothing and then have a discussion about certain other points. 
Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. Progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom's Disciple on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So, the first segment we dealt with open borders and the boundary and the wall. So, should America build a wall? Absolutely. Spoiler alert, that's one of the solutions. But we'll get to that later on in the show. But one of the things that frustrates me with the narratives and the politics and the media right now, and and let me just focus in on my friends and the Republican Party and the Republican, you know, the right quote-unquote media, is there seems to be this always narrative or undertone in their presentation that, you know, the wall is so critical. The wall, should the wall be built? Absolutely. I am by no stretch of the imagination saying it shouldn't be built. But there is always this tone that if America just built this wall on the southern border, like illegal immigration would just stop. It would just be over. It, the issue is dead. Just build that wall and we're done. I'm sorry to tell you, but that is nothing more than a lie. And actually, let me quote your president. That is fake news. If you've ever heard that, it's fake news. Because let me give you the stats. If you built a wall, and let's say the wall was 100% foolproof, that would solve roughly 40% of illegal immigration. 40, 4, 0. So it's not even a majority of illegal immigration that would solve. 60% of your immigration problem comes from people who overstay their visa. So people who have done things the right way once, and have entered your country and have just not left. You see this all the time. You see this with um, you see this with uh, different visas. So people go over on a student visa. They go, you know what, America is a great country. I want to go get my education there. I want my degree from you know from Harvard or from or from Yale or from whatever college they go to, New York University or wherever they go. And they go over and they guess. Two, three, four, five, whatever year visa it is, depending on what you're going to go study. And you just never leave. You also have other people who, there's a visa called the J-1 visa, which is very popular in different aspects. And I can see why. Actually, if you want to be, I see the irony in it. Some of my Irish family don't really see America the way I do. They don't love America. They've worked in America. I haven't. It's very, very interesting. They've had the J-1 visa because they went to college. And what you do is, you you know, when you're going to college and you're going to a three or four year degree program in the summer, you get a J-1 visa and you go off to America and you work in a bar or I think one of my cousins worked in a bar and I think another one worked in amusement park, maybe Bush Gardens or something many years ago or or Disney. And you just go over for like 
June to September, let's say two or three months. And it's a very short period of time and it's a guest worker, a J-1 visa, student visa, and you go over and you do it, but then you don't come back. You also have other people who applied for a similar visa that I applied for with the Blaze, a work visa. But when you go when you go through the system, you know, just a bit of inside baseball, whether you in case you don't know this, um, if I had been successful when I got the job with the Blaze and, and I had got a visa, you get a one year visa. And what you're supposed to do, supposed to do, is let's say I got that in let's say I started the first of September last year. You go from 1st of September to the 1st of September. It's a one-year visa. If the company then says, hey, we really like John. We want to offer him another contract. You're supposed to go back to your country of origin. So I'd have to come back to Ireland and reapply. And then go to the embassy and go through the paperwork. Now, it's a lot. I think it's a lot easier and quicker if you're already in the system and you're just getting a second-year visa. Because you don't have to go through the health screening and you don't have to go through, like, the, the background checks of, you know, because you don't have to go through a lifetime of checks. You only have to go through the last 12 months. But you're supposed to reapply. But a lot of people go over there and they get a one-year visa. And then they kind of go... Oh, God, you know, going back home, back to my country and reapplying for a visa and and paying the fees and going through all the paperwork and and the flights. I just can't be bothered. I'll just stay here illegal. So 60% of visa of illegal immigration in America right now is through visa overstays. So they're actually in your system. You know about them. Just they're still there. You think they've gone home. If you can... I'm going to give you a solution to this at the end if you want. I just want to deal with all the narratives. The part that's the most contentious when you talk about immigration reform and the part that always gets the most tears and and the most sympathy is DACA. And, of course, DACA is basically people who are there illegally have a kid and what do you do with the kid? Let me be blunt about this. Why is this... One of the frustrating things for me as an outsider and someone who wants to get into your country is the fact that you treat illegal immigration totally different to the way you treat other crimes. And you treat it differently in so many ways. Let me explain some of the ways you treat it differently. DACA. So let me give you a scenario. Right. Let's just say, for argument's sake, for this scenario, I'm an American citizen. Born and bred, I live in America. And let's say I have a wife and I have a couple of kids. And let's say I'm a bit older than I am and my kid is, oh, I don't know, 15 or 16. And for whatever reason, forget about my background. My background's irrelevant, what I've done in the past. But I know my kid is going to college soon. And I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and I'm going to rob a bank. And I rob the bank, and I'm successful, and I get away. And let's say my cut of the the robbery is $100,000. So my cut is $100,000. And again, I might have the purest intentions in the world. And what I do is I go to my 16-year-old kid, and I go, or 17-year-old, I go, here you go, 100 grand, get your education. Again, the purest intentions in the world, get your education. And be a better person. Eventually I get caught and I get arrested. And then I get sentenced and I have to jail. I don't know what bank robbery is now. Probably 
you're you're just the system is so lax now probably a bank robbery if no one got hurt what you might get five or six or seven years and if you're lucky you might get out in five with good behavior maybe four um obviously it depends on what state you're in but it's doesn't matter in that scenario do you think there's any person who would go well look Look, it was the father. It was John who did things wrong. Look, John committed the crime. He gave the money to his kid. Look, it wouldn't be fair to take the $100,000 back off the kid. The kid did nothing wrong. The, the kid is just a beneficiary of a bad action. You can't take that off of him. That's not fair. That's not right. Is there any part of the system that you think that would happen? Or do you think the, people, the feds would be like, look, or the local people would be like, look, I'm sorry to tell you, you got a hundred grand from your father. He didn't earn it. He stole it from this bank. It's now time to take that money back and give it back to who it belongs to in the first place. That is the same situation as DACA. Does it suck? Absolutely. It must be horrible. Did the kid do anything wrong? No. But sometimes... You reap the benefits of something you didn't have to have in your place in the first place. You reap the benefits of an illegal action. You reap the benefits of your parents coming to America illegally. And you've reaped the benefits for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, ever how long it is. You have reaped the benefits of something that wasn't yours in the first place. Now, again, before you think that's a cruel stance and that's cruel, let me just wait till I get to the end and I give you the solutions. Because I do have a solution that is reaching across, that that could keep all people happy, that would be quote-unquote fair. But we'll come back to that and then in a few minutes. But one of the things I find incredibly frustrating with your justice system and illegal immigration is the way you treat illegal immigrants differently. Your justice system, you, if you look at what the narrative is in the media, is, well, you know what, if, if, if you're here 20 or 30 years, we're going to let you off. But if you're only here a couple of years, we're going to deport you. That's some of the narratives that you hear. You know, the longer you've, the more successful you have been at evading the feds, we're going to reward that behavior. It's the only crime that you could actually keep doing for the longest time that you actually people would say oh well look the longer you've been doing the crime you got to get away with it like imagine you were i I don't know just take a small example i I don't know imagine you were i'm trying to think of an example imagine you were i don't know um i should have come up with an example imagine you were stealing from your boss you know just something simple you know imagine you were I don't know, you had a fetish in work or something, you know, because um, I actually use this because I actually, someone I know does this, is they take your pens. Imagine you were stealing from your office. Every day you took home a pen. Every day you took home a pen. That's theft. And imagine the, the, the employer found out, wow, gee, wow, we're going through our stationary budget and we're looking at this and kind of going, we are ordering a freakish amount of pens. What's going on? And you order an investigation and you find that, well, there's Mary over there and she's been alive. She's been with us since day one. But it turns out Mary brings home a pen without fail every single day. And I'm not just talking about a pen pen that you buy, like, you know, a Bic. I'm talking like a branded pen that has your logo on it. It costs, 
I don't know what a pen, branded pen costs, like 50, 60 cent. And you're, she's bringing home one every day without fail. Because her kids need, to, you know, pens to write to go to school and stuff. And she's giving them to her friends. And she's bringing home a pen every day. But she's been doing it since day one. And the company's like 30 or 40 years old. And then you find out, well, you know, John there. John's a new guy. He's just come from Ireland. You know, he hasn't got much. And, you know, he's been taking a pen. But he's only been taking a pen for like, you know, one, one pen a week for like six months. Because he's only working with us six months. Well, you know, we'll fire John... But, you know, Mary, look, Mary's been doing it all the time. Look, it's, it's just part of her routine. Just let her off. In what world does that make sense to you? Like, imagine, imagine you had someone, and let's make this, actually, I've just thought of another example. Make this on a bigger scale. Like, imagine Bernie Madoff, you know, Ponzi schemes. You know, imagine kind of going, look, you know, there's Bernie Madoff. He's been taking all this money for 40 years from people. And there's this person, you know, he's been taking it for like six months, a year, two years. Well, like, let's, let's come down on a ton of bricks on the, the guy who's been breaking financial regulations for a couple of years. But the guy who's doing it 40 years, just let him off. Look, it's part of his routine. It's, it's who he is. The system of unbelievable that you just let people off the longer you've been more successful. And I, I want to counter a point on this because I, I I've started to hear this narrative in certain um circles and I don't know why, where this came up I heard this argument twice in the last couple of weeks when about this particular argument it's like well you see the difference John is what you're forgetting is one thing and I'm like okay what's that it's the statute of limitations you know you can only be charged for a certain period of time that's why we're more lax and I'm like that doesn't make sense and let me explain why it doesn't make sense in case you've come across this argument it's a minor argument but I have heard it a couple of times the difference between the statute of limitations, why it is not applicable to illegal immigrants and why it is to other criminal charges. Let me give you an example. Let's say, and I'll be the gimme pig again. Let's say I am accused, keyword accused, of punching someone today. Well, the statute of limitations, depending on when you are, might be about five years. So that means in five years, I can no longer be charged for that crime. But I've only been accused of punching you on this day, today, once. I've been, I've been accused of assault. When you do illegal immigration, it's not one act. You've been breaking the law. You break the law every second of every minute of every hour of every day you were in that country. Because you are overstaying your visa. The statute of limitations should never run out. But the other thing that frustrates me so much is, and this is just purely down to your media and your politicians... I see the, the, the rallies of illegal immigration. They're becoming more and more blatant and more and more open. We're, we're Americans, just not legally. And we're not going to be deported and you're not going to let us. Okay. Can you name other, one other criminal group that is as brazen as illegal immigration? As illegal immigrants? Like seriously. Can you imagine if the mob... Like, did a rally like that. We're the mob, and we're not taking it anymore. You're not sending us to jail. We're, yes, we carry weapons illegally, and yes, yes, we give protection to people, and yes, we sometimes beat people up, and, and, and yes, you know, some people have gone missing on our watch, but we're demanding our rights. You can't punish us. Can you imagine if they did that? 
But let me give you another example, you know, because people go, well, well, John, you're comparing the mob to illegal immigrants. That's not exactly fair. That's, that's, you're, you see, I told you you were racist. Okay, sorry. I'm, all right, I'll use another example. An example that might make my friends on the left head explode. I'm not paying my income tax this year. I need the money for myself. And we're sick and tired. We're taxed enough already. We're not paying because we want our money for ourselves. Can you imagine if there was a rally like that of people who didn't pay their income tax, who fought, who put it past in their IRS form and went, you know what? Sod off. And I'm using, that's the nicest term I think I can use on this, on this program. Sod off. You can fill in a blank in this world of, you know, more stronger language if you wish. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine the response? Do you think there'd be a round table of people kind of going, well, there's all these people who didn't pay their, to the, the IRS this year. They didn't pay their taxes. And, you know, well, what we need, what we need now is a dream act. You know, we or we need, you know, the, the, the non-taxpayers, you know, act. You know, we just need to give them amnesty. Can you imagine if that happened? Do you think the left and the right would be coming together and going, yeah, they didn't give us our taxes, but we're totally okay with it. It is so frustrating to watch, you know, talk about living in the shadows. You, you have immigrants now that don't live in the shadows. They're brazen about it. They're coming forward going, we, we, have our, we want our rights. We demand our rights. I can't imagine any other country that would work in. I really can't. I don't know what other country that would work in. But lastly, let me leave you with this point for this. Because I want to come back to a word my friends on the left love to use all the time. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull on your heartstrings. The word is fairness. You love talking about, well, what we need is fairness. And we need fairness for our legal immigrants. And they did nothing wrong. And they just had the, the purest of intents. And you want to deport them. That's not fair. That's sad. And, you know, if I, was, if I had more, if I wasn't a one-man band, I might have some music playing. You know, some sad, you know, piano music. Some, some sad music in the background and tell you my sob story. But let's talk about fairness, shall we? And let me give you two examples of fairness. You want to give amnesty to someone who's broken the law and who's reaped the benefits of breaking that law for the longest time. They might have broken it for a year or five years or ten years, but they have reaped the rewards for that one, five, ten, twenty, thirty years. How is that fair in the workload? You know, you always talk about the one percenters, you know, they, they get they, they get all the rewards for doing no work. All they do is just come in. And then, you know, the person at the bottom who's working hard gets screwed. Okay. Well, let's turn your narrative around. You're illegal immigrants that you defend and that you want to give amnesty to and you want to protect because they're the dreamers, right? They're always good and noble people. All they did was come across a border illegally. All they did was overstay their visa and go, you know what, I can't be bothered to do that paperwork anymore. What about the legal immigrant? The legal immigrant who, who went and did things the right way. Who went through all the paperwork. Who didn't just cross your border, but went through all the paperwork, went through all the screenings, went through all the background checks. Had his background or their background checked like a fine two comb. 
to see if there is any reason to stop them coming in. Paid for all the flights, did things the right way, got the job the right way. What about all the work that was involved, you know, for the visa overstays? Where people actually did things the right way initially and then actually went back to their country and continued to do things the right way each and every year. What about those people who, you know, did all the work and went back year after year after year and then decided, you know what? I love America. It's given me so much and I've gone back and I've done things each and every right. I want to now be a citizen, which you can apply for after five years. In case you didn't know, you go through year visa, year visa, year visa, year visa. On the fifth year, you can apply to become a citizen. And then you have to go through even more checks to become a citizen. How is that fair? Explain how that is fair to me. How the legal immigrant who did all the hard work, who paid all those extra expenses, even just the flights alone to go back to their country each and every year, went through all the paperwork, paid all the lawyer fees, and you want to treat them the same as someone who just went, you know what, South America, I'm just going to go illegally. Or I'm here now and I'm not leaving. How is that fair? That's story number one. Story number two is not person, personal story like mine. How is it fair that someone can cross your border illegally or get into your country legally and then overstay their visa and they're somehow noble and good? And yet a story like mine, which there's plenty of, by the way, who do things the right way, who wait a long time. I waited 13 years for that opportunity. I waited 13 years to do the right thing for an opportunity to get to America. And I finally saw, had someone in Glenn Beck go, you know what? I think that guy deserves an opportunity. Step up to the plate, give me a contract, paying some of his money to get me there. And then for the country to turn around and go, well, yeah, actually, you know what? You don't meet the criteria. You can't even apply. How is that fair? How is that noble? How is that right? You always want to talk about fairness, my liberal friends. How about, how is that fair? But yeah, you never talk about people like me because there's over 5 million of us. There are 5 million people who want to do things the right way and get into America the right way. We never get even mentioned. And by the way, I know people love to focus in on the left. When was the last time you heard Ted Cruz talk about someone like me? When was the last time you heard Mike Lee talk about someone like me? When was the last time you heard Louis Gohmert speak about people like me? This is an issue on all sides, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It's easy to say the left and the Democrats suck. But both sides are really bad on this issue. But let's talk about fairness. When was the last time you heard people talk about real fairness? When we come back, I'm going to give you the solutions. And I'm going to overcome some of the more minor objections that you hear on this issue. Because I want to give you as much ammunition as you can to overcome the issues of the day. But I'm also going to give you the solution. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's 
Disciple On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Did you have a nice Christmas? I hope you did, and I hope you had a wonderful New Year. I had a, I actually had a really, really good Christmas. Um, the reason I was, I'm a week back late um, is because I was very sick over Christmas. I got very sick before Christmas. I had borderline pneumonia over Christmas, but it was wonderful because one of the things I'm trying to do is my mindset, and this is something I'm going to talk to you about starting next week, is I'm trying to see the positive in everything. But the positive of having borderline pneumonia was I couldn't string two words together. I could not think. I could not physically move because I had no energy. I'm not joking. It was like an effort to get from my bed to the living room. But the positive side of that is I did nothing. I didn't read a book. I did. I could barely talk online. And I just watched movie after movie after movie. It was awesome. And, of course, we had turkey and ham, and that was my Christmas, and it was brilliant. It was really good. It was what what the doctor ordered. And I come back refreshed. I'm a lot better now. I'm 95% better. Um, back in the gym, loving it. But I've been talk- talking to you about immigration, and I want to talk to you about some of the solutions. So you're hearing a narrative right now, and you've heard this for the longest time, what America needs. America needs comprehensive immigration reform. You've heard this. America needs amnesty. America needs a new law. You even heard this from Donald Trump. He sent the Republicans and the Democrats to go off and come up with this new bill to fix immigration. Okay, spoiler alert. You don't need a new bill. America does not need comprehensive immigration reform. America does not need a new bipartisan bill. It does not need a new bill from the Republicans. It does not need a new bill from the Democrats. It doesn't need a new bill to be signed by President Trump. It needs absolutely nothing. Let me say that to you again. If you want to fix immigration in America, you need don't need to do anything. Apart from one thing. And this is where it gets hard, because there is not a political will to do this in your country. All you need to do, if you really want to fix immigration, or the vast majority of it, is enforce the laws that are already on your books. What frustrates me about people, regardless of your political ideology is you think comprehensive immigration reform is what's needed, and you think it's going to work. What frustrates me is this from a principal point of view, is you already have laws in your books that you don't enforce. What is adding more laws going to do if you don't decide to enforce them? And also, if you have a situation where people are going, I don't care what laws you have in your books, I'm still coming coming to America. What is more paperwork, more legal terms going to do to fix it? You have a situation right now where you have sufficient laws on the books that are passed, that are in statute, that you just need to enforce and you solve the vast majority of illegal immigration. For those who are curious going, well, what are those laws? Let me explain them to you. Let's start with the majority of illegal immigration, which is 60%, which is visa overstays. They are in your system. You know about them. 
They are people who went through a background check, who went through some type of screening, and you have their paperwork. You also have, arguably, a lot more of their details about their system at home. You can go about this one of two ways. You can go to where their last known address was, because they have to provide this. And you can force your sister, your your law enforcement to go find them, go investigate them, and find out where they are. There's only so many places they can be. This is for, like, locus, you know, students. Or J-1 visa people. You can find them. It takes work. However, if that takes too much work, you can put political pressure on the countries they came from. If they came from Mexico, they came from Ireland, they came from England, they came from Australia, going, hey, we need to find X, this person and this person and this person and this person. That person, that country will find out very quickly if they're in their country or not. How? Because that person will be paying taxes. If they're not paying taxes, there's a good chance they're either drawing some type of benefits or they're claiming unemployment benefit or they're paying taxes. This should be easy enough to find. They have those records very, very simple. So you can enforce those laws. The other visa overstays are people who work. They're very simple to find. You just go to the com- to the to the companies in question going, hey, do you still employ this person? And then when they do, when you find them, you deport them. Now, people don't like that word. Oh, you're, you, you, you want to deport people? Yes, that's what you sign up for. Because when you get your papers, shall we say, you know, when you get your papers, when you get your papers from America, and this is the same, by the way, and this happens, I, you know, you, you accept these terms and conditions when you enter America, even when you did what I did in September, when I went on vacation to your country. You understand that part of the agreement is if you overstay your visa, you can, there's certain fines that you can have to pay, but you can be stopped entering America for over 10 years. That is a law on your books. And that is for people like me who did, you know, when I was on vacation, I, I think it's 90 days is what I have. I can enter your country like I did in September as a, you know, as a tourist going on vacation. I was there, and when you go to the airport, I'm, in case you don't know what other people have to do when, they, when you go to the airport to enter your country, you have to give your fingerprints. Um, you have to pr- pr- provide the, the, obviously, you know, they know the day you're going because you're at the airport, but you have to provide the day you're coming back. You have to tell them where you're going, and they can ask you any number of questions, what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you're funding yourself. They can ask you anything, but they take your finger, fingerprints, they take your picture, uh, they go through all this stuff, but like when I went, um, they they obviously I think I gave my flight details of where I was flying. I was flying into New York, and then I was waiting in New York for a couple of hours, and then I was flying to Raleigh, and then I was going to all different places. Uh, I provided addresses. Uh, I provide. I'm always forthcoming. I'm like, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I don't want any issues with you, uh, because I want to enter your country. Hopefully, a lot going forward. And also, I have no problem. I have no problem providing that information because, again, I do not have a right to be in your country. So I provide all this information. If, let's say, I went, you know what, and I would never do this, full disclosure, but let's just say I'm someone else and I got over there and I went, you know what, I really like America. I don't want to leave and I'm just going to stay. And even if I stay for like 91 days 
or I stay for 100 days or I stay for six months or I stay for a year. I know full well one of the consequences, I might not be able to enter your country for 10 years. Because one of the questions that you're asked when you go to the airport, even for a tourist visa, is you are asked, have you ever been refused entry into America? Or have you ever overstayed your visa? That's one of the questions that they ask. They can find this out very quickly if you have, and then they might not let you in. This is some of the situations, some of the questions you were asked just to go on a tourist visa for a holiday, for a vacation. When you go to work or when you go to go to be a student, there is a lot more. It's a background check. There is a lot of things. So you want to solve immigration, fix, enforce the laws that are on the books. Also, it's very simple. Like, when you see the, the lawbreakers going over there and they break the law and they find out they're not legal there, just deport them. Get rid of them. I don't care what the law is. Enforce the laws that are in the books if you come across them. Over a period of time, this won't solve overnight, by the way. This will happen over a, it might take a couple of year process, but if you start enforcing the laws that are in your books, the vast majority of illegal immigration is solved. Now, what do you do you need to pass a law for? Well, I've tried to break down every narrative that I can find of the major narratives, and that's what I've tried to do over the last couple of, what, 30, 40 minutes. But I want to give you the solutions. Because for those thinking that it's a very simple process, just enforce the laws and the books and what happens. There's plenty that you can discuss and you can get bipartisan support. If you really want a Democratic bill and a Republican bill to come together and you want President Trump to sign, there are plenty of things that you can do that are popular in some cases and that will solve America's immigration problems permanently. The first thing you have to do is to get all sides to understand that legal immigration is not the answer. Legal immigration is the answer. So what can you do? Because some people have said, well, John, look, you know, the reason we don't ever do it is because the visa's on the books. And what about the food industry? You know, what about the local chef? You know, what about the local preppers, the local waiters and the waitresses? You know, it would decimate the food industry. You know, you can't have that. Or you hear all this other job, you know, you've heard this from politicians like John McCain and Jeb Bush. And, well, you know, we need all these workers. You know, they, they pick lettuce. Or they act out of love. They, they just want a better future. Okay. Why is it always that we want to push and reward lawbreakers, but we never try and do things the right way? So if you're a person who believes in, you know what, I believe in kind of the free movement of people. Let's just take that one for the first narrative. I believe in the free movement of people. I, you know, if you want to become and part, be part of our system, I'm all for it. I don't care where you come from. If you want to be a better you and have a brighter future, come to America. America is the land of opportunity. I want that. I want to reward that. I, 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 part, I want to be part of that. And I want America always to be that. Okay. They're all noble intentions. If you want to fix that, then have a long look at the list of visas that you currently supply. You actually have a long list of visas that you can apply under, but then just increase them. Get people to follow the laws. If you want to have add more guest workers during the summer to pick lettuce, add that. Do things the right way, but at least give America the right to decide who comes in and who doesn't. 
and that they are coming for the right intentions, that they are under, it's clear to them, let's just take that one, you're going to go pick lettuce for four months of the year, okay, you come, you work hard, you get your payment, you have protection under law, enjoy every benefit America has to offer, every, every idea America has to offer, by the end of the four months you leave, now you can come back, off, off you go, but that you increase the visa types. Heck, if you really want to, increase the visa numbers. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into numbers because you can throw wild numbers. Heck, if you even wanted to be what you have and go, you know what, we think we need 10 million new citizens. Because that's roughly, give or take, it's hard to know how many illegal aliens there are, illegal people there are in America. But even if you think they need 10 million, okay, well then, increase the numbers by 10 million but at least give america the choice of who comes and who goes these are negotiating points that you can have if you really want a bipartisan bill and support these are the things you should be discussing how about using immigration as a system of what america actually needs so if you're going well what's the john what would john do if john had power if john was the almighty god in america what would he do I would enforce the laws on the books, and I would get rid of every person who removed, who was there illegal, illegally. Everyone, young, old, I don't care. If you're there illegal, you don't have a right to be in America. Go home. Now, here's where I will be fair, quote-unquote, because fairness is so important. It would be very easy for someone like me who's been through what I have been through to go, and you know what you do then? What you do is you kick all them out of the country and the 5 million people who did things the right way are at the head of the queue. We're first. But you know what? That's not realistic. I'll even be fair and kind of go, if you just get rid of everyone out of the country who's there illegally, send them back to their country where they came from. But then they can apply to come back. And the America can say, and I'm just throwing out these numbers. Let's just say America does a stock take of what it needs, and it needs it needs a hundred thousand seasonal workers to pick the lettuce. It needs a hundred thousand low skill jobs to to be a waiter, to be a waitress, to be you know a cook in the local deli in the diner. Okay, and then you need like ten thousand builders, and then you need five thousand lawyers and a thousand bankers. Then you can choose, and then you can go. We have this pool of people. We have the pool of people who want to be there legally. And we have all the people we deported for being illegally. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to come up with a system of picking the people. And the minute that you have, let's say you need a thousand bankers, the minute you hit that thousand, you stop. Sorry, you want to be a banker. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry you were number 1,002 on the list. You don't get in. But you can apply next year if we, or the next time we need people. Same with the builders. Same with the, 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 the waiters and the waitresses. You go through. I'd be willing to get in line with those people who broke the law, who reaped those benefits. But please, this is a personal plea. Stop asking Americans and people like me to feel sorry for them. Because here's the truth of it. Why would I feel sorry for an illegal immigrant? Let me be blunt about it. I've waited. I waited in line 13 years. And I don't want to dwell on this, but last year was a really bad year for me getting refused. It killed me inside. It killed a part of me that chances are I will never recover from. Because it was my only dream. 
They were there illegally. And even if they only got to live there for six months or a year, and some of them got to live there 10 and 20 years illegally, they got to reap something that they didn't deserve or didn't earn more than I did, and I did things the right way. Why would I feel sorry for them? Why would I feel sorry for them? They got something that I didn't, and I did things the right way, and they didn't. But if you, if America came together and went, you know what, we're going to have this form of quote-unquote amnesty where we're just going to forget the past. If you're here illegally, it doesn't matter. If you're doing things the right way now, we're okay with that. I would welcome that. I'd go, okay, that's okay. That's America's call, and it's fair. It's realistic. There are things you can discuss with the left, with the right, with libertarians, with Bernie Sanders people. Have as many people as you want. But it's here's what's key. The American people must be the people to decide these numbers. It can't just be, well, what we're going to do is just everyone who wants to come and anyone who comes can just come. And it can be a thousand people or it can be a million people. Everyone who wants to come can just come. No background check, no information, no skill status, no visa application, no information about you. Just come. Sorry, that doesn't work. Because while there are people with noble intentions, there are people with really, really bad intentions. So how does that fix the food industry? Well, then first, you don't have illegal immigration anymore, but you decide how many people you need, and then you bring them people in. And then they're not living in the shadows, quote-unquote. This issue is dead. It doesn't polarize America anymore. The only polarization you'd have in immigration if you did this system going forward is you'd have disputes over how many people you wanted in your country. Then you have the issue of chain migration. Chain migration is where you can get into the country because you have an immediate relative there legally or born there. I don't want to talk too much about this. I know people get upset about it. I find it very frustrating because for me it should be America, and I, I hate saying this because I don't have a say in this because I'm not an American, but American visa or to get to America, you should want it. It should be something you aspire to. It should be something you want to work for. Not because you have a family member. Not because, hey, my brother's over there legally and I'm going to go with him too. You know, brothers can be very different. They can have very different attitudes, very different skill sets. Just because you're a brother or someone there legally or, or a citizen, you know, for me, I kind of find it's an interesting way of bringing people. But you saw the big changes in the chain migration where up until 1960s, there was a limit on the chain migration. Now it's just pff, anybody. America has to have that discussion. What visas do you want to give out? Would you prefer more skills-based and a more, you know, integration-based into society? Or would you prefer just because they're, they're someone's brother or someone's parent or someone's son or daughter? That's a question which you all need to have. Then you have another benefit of this. Because as I said earlier on when we talked about open borders, what are the consequences of this? Well, if you actually did this system where that I just spoke about, enforce the laws, and then you, you have discussions about visa types and, and visa numbers, what are the consequences of this? One, you won't have an issue that's polarizing America all over the country. Two, you'd be taking away talking points from the media. Three, you wouldn't have a system where left needed votes and the right needed cheap labor. You'd have everyone on the same 
both. But four, can you imagine the impact on, on crime? Where, first of all, you know, you're not just saying anyone can come into your country. Those who have bad intentions, you know, you obviously heard about Kate Steinle, if you're, you know, if you're in certain conservative circles. You know, the, the, the crime, the, the, the drink driving, the rape, the, the assault. You would have that reduced because you'd be picking from the best of the best. So you wouldn't, you would have less pressure on law enforcement. But also the criminals that are in America that also operate outside of America, gangs like MS-13, you wouldn't have them shipping people. You wouldn't have coyotes on the border. You would have less pressure on law enforcement. You'd have less pressure on border security. You'd have better people in America. It's a win all round if you do things the right way. But let me address two last points. Because one of the things I want to do in the last segment, I want to do it, is there is an issue that is never discussed when immigration comes up. And I think it's arguably even maybe a bigger issue than immigration, which we'll get to in a minute. But there's another issue and just one small point I want to make. People ask me all the time, well, why don't you just go illegally? What's stopping you? America's clearly said the doors are open under the last administration. Just come across the border. The amount of people who say to me, look, I'll meet you at Mexico. Just come, come across the border with me. It'll be fine. Just get in here illegally. You should be an American. John, if anyone deserves to be an American, it's you. You're so passionate. You have so much love for it. What's stopping you? Many things. One, I have morals and principles. Two, I understand I don't have a right to be an American. But there's also a deeper meaning on this. Because it's a commandment in scriptures. It's a commandment in scriptures. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. I do not have a right to be an American, nor do I have a right to take something that is not mine. And if I went illegally to America, that is exactly what I would be doing. I would be taking something that is not mine. When we come back, I want to address two parts of the immigration debate that need to be addressed even further. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Alexa, why are so many celebrities leaving their current job to sell facial cream? Sorry, I don't know that. <laughs> she's, she's good, man. Alexa, where is Larry King's hand right now? Sorry, I don't know that. Mm, she knows, uh, lucky she knows it's in somebody's butt crack. <laughs> she knows. She just won't say. Pat Gray. Weekdays, noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before I continue, I want to apologize. I know today has been a very long show. In hindsight, maybe I should have broken it up over a couple of weeks, but I really wanted to just break things down to the core and and address every point that I've been seeing talked about over the last couple of weeks. And I hope this show has been beneficial to you. But I want to talk to you about two quick things. One, 
you have to understand immigration has changed over the last couple of decades. So people ask, because you hear all this, people on the right tend to go, if America doesn't have closed borders and doesn't fix America, America's dead. And people think that's a bit extreme and it's a bit of a narrative. The difference between immigration over the last 10, 20, 30 years is the amount of people who can access America through, and this is a positive, through the advancement of transportation and, and ease of travel and ease of movement around the world. That is a big difference. You know, if you look at what people had to do 100 years ago, it was the only way it was a boat. And it took a long time and you had to be somewhat health, healthy and fit to take that boat because, you know, there was so many diseases and the journey was so long. It took such an impact on you. And then you went to, you know, you came to Staten Island and you had to have a health check and you had to go through certain aspects of it. There's a, just to give you some comparison, travel has become so easy. There's a new company over in Europe called Norwegian Air. If you book your days on the right day, you can get to JFK return for 199 euros, which is about... $240. That is incredible. So anyone can have it. Anyone can access it. And there's daily flights. Just look at JFK. Look at the amount of international flights in and out of JFK every day. So immigration has changed. But also, the idea of America has changed within. The old days, like my old Irish family, uh, generations, went over for a better opportunity went over for a better quality of life, went over for the American dream to work. What you have now is there is a large chunk of people who can access benefits from day one. What you have is you have effectively have open borders and a welfare society. They don't work and they never have and they never will. Going back to that solution I offered... It should be to get there, to work, to contribute, to add something to America. There used to be the old days where when you used to go over to America, you used to have to prove some of the following. You, had to, you used to have to prove you had a certain amount of money in the bank account. I remember in the old days, the figure was like 2,000 Irish pounds, which was a lot of money. It was like, I'm going back 10, 15 years, by the way. Um, another thing you had to prove was, well, where are you going to stay? Who's going to put you up? What happens? Who's responsible for you, i.e. a sponsor? What happens if your job doesn't work out? Who's going to look after you? Who's going to pay your bills? How are you going to live? Because it isn't off the American government. Whereas now, you have food stamps, you have Obama phones, you have every benefit under the sun. So welfare society needs to talk needs to be discussed if you're going to discuss it going forward. But that's not just an immigration thing. That's for everyone. But now on to the issue that I've never very rarely hear discussed as a big issue when it comes to immigration. And for this issue, I'm going to focus on my people. I hate saying that, but that's what they are, the Irish people. So I can't be accused of being racist. I can't be a... a, a Uh, accused of being xenophobic or any of the other phobias. I'm going to talk about my own people, the Irish people. That problem is assimilation. When you go to a country, if you want to be part of it, embrace it. Become part of it. Join the melting pot, quote-unquote. Add to it. Make it better. But embrace it. Join it. 
One of the problems America has, and this is not just an American problem, this is a worldwide problem, is people don't assimilate. People do not assimilate. They keep their culture. They leave their culture for whatever reason, because it sucks or because there's not enough opportunity or because there's issues, and they go to another country and then they don't assimilate and they just think, I'm still in my own country, I'm just in a different, but I'm in my own bubble in in this new country. But I'm still going to act the way I act in my own country. I'm going to do my own cultural norms, my own cultural ideas, my own cultural preferences, even though I'm in another country. I have people like this in my own family. I have some in my own family. And it frustrates the hell out of me. They're in another country for 40 years. They live there. They work there. They've raised their kids there. But they're still Irish. I'm Irish. Uh, That's not a good thing. If you want to go live in another country, embrace that country. If Ireland is so great, go live in Ireland. But America and countries around the world do not assimilate people anymore. People even... Uh, today come up to me and say to me you know what whenever you get to america you'll be a great irish american i'm like no i won't they're like yeah you'd be great irish american you'd be you i think you know i like you and i'm like no i won't i'll be an american i didn't have a lifelong dream to become an irish american i had a dream to become an american not irish american american if you want to go to and be in part of another country and you want to live there and you're thinking of settling down there, embrace that country. Assimilate to that country. Obviously, I'm not saying that you leave everything behind you. There are certain things that you can bring to your from your culture, but bring them and add them to the American culture, to the melting pot, and make America better. America's better because of tacos. America's better because of, uh, because of stew, because of Guinness, because of Irish whiskey. America's better from, from, for Asian food, for Chinese food. America's better for pasta. Why am I always making the argument America's better for food? <laughs> you know, you're seeing inside my head. <laughs> um, but um, other cultures have great ideas. Like St. Patrick's Day. America's better because of it. I had to come up with some non-food, and that was the only thing I could think of on Patrick's Day. Sorry. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Add to it. America has always embraced different ideas, different cultures. America's embraced all of these. I know many Americans who are, you know, I hate talking like this, but as white as the ace of spades, who'd be like, if you took my tacos away, we have a problem. It's not a racist country. It's not anything. But add bring what the best of your culture, add to it, but assimilate and become an American. Because let me tell you, some of the worst assimilators, and I'm not saying they're the worst, but some of the worst, are Irish people. You look at them, let's just focus in on America for a minute. Irish people never assimilate in any country they go. But you look at what they do in places like New York and Boston, Little Ireland. You have all these hyphenated Irish Americans. They're not Americans, they're Irish Americans. And it's Little Ireland and Little Italy and Little China. You have all these different people. But I'm not going to focus in on any other race but Ireland for a minute. What happens is they become, they bring all their cultural norms. They go, I want to leave Ireland. I want to go to America. I want to have an opportunity. I, I need to leave because there's no jobs or because there's no opportunities for me here or just I don't like the country. And then they go over there. And they act, they keep in their same bubble. They hang around with Irish people. They hang around in Irish cliques. And then they vote the exact same way as the, to, as the way they voted in Ireland. 
You look at where Irish people are popular, New York and Boston. Are they bastions of freedom? Are they bastions of constitutionism? Of American exceptionalism? Or are they bastions of, well, you know what? America needs to be more like the rest of the world and America needs socialism. Just think about that for a minute. And I'm not just blaming this all on Irish people. I'm saying there's loads of different cultures, but I can talk about my people. And by the way, this is not what Irish people do in America. This is what Irish people do, period. You go to places like Britain and Australia. Irish have their little hubs, their little cliques, their little bubble of Ireland. They bring their own sports. They they don't embrace the culture. Are there some people who do? Sure. I have an Irish friend, Caroline. She embraces the culture. She sees herself more as an American. She feels the way I do about America. She's over there. And this year, I think she's getting her citizenship. She lives down in Texas. She feels America is her home. She's embraced it. She's assimilated. She sees her kids as American. They've assimilated. Other people go, no, I'm still Irish. I'm Irish. I'm Irish. I love the old country. It's awesome. If the old country is so awesome, then go back to it. And I would say that no matter what country it is. If it was a Spanish person living in Australia, then go back to Spain if it's so wonderful. Or go back to Australia if it's so awesome. But if you are going to live in a country more than six months or a year, you have a right. That country has a right to your affections and to your loyalty. Which leaves me with my last point. The point I hear all the time that annoys me. Well, you know, you're, you're, you just don't like immigrants. But you, what you forget, John, is, is America is a land of immigrants. No, no, it's not. No, 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 it's not. America, like every other nation, is a land of citizens. It is a land of citizens, not immigrants, citizens. And you are a citizen when you become a citizen, whether that's through birth or whether that's through, you know, the visa process after in America, it's five years. But you're not a land of immigrants. But even if you want to take that to the extreme, every nation is a land of immigrants in some way, shape, or form. There is no country in the world that we know of for 100% sure, 100% scientifically proven that we can say, you know those people? They are initially just citizens of that country. America is a land of immigrants from different places. From Germany, from Europe, from Ireland, from England, from Mexico from the Native Americans. Mexico, don't tell this to anyone because, you know, this might burst our bubble, but Mexico's a land of immigrants too. Shh, shh. Mexico's immigrants as well. They're all Spanish. No, I didn't say that though. That's racist. Everywhere is. The only place you could find that potentially you could make an argument for is wherever ever that you can definitely 100% prove Adam and Eve were born. And even them, you could probably make their their only immigrants as well, because that's where God put them. They weren't born there, that's where God formed them and put them there. Everyone is an immigrant in some way, shape, or form. But every country is a land of citizens, not immigrants. Every country is a land of citizens. You have citizenship. Irish have citizenship. English have citizenship. America have citizenship. Europe has citizenship. Australia has citizenship. 
All these countries have citizenship. You don't have a, hey, here's my papers, here's my immigrant passport. Or when you have to fill in questions on, on paperwork, let's make this about America again. When I fill in my, my paperwork to go over there, it doesn't say immigrant status. It says cit- country of citizenship. Country of citizenship. And I put Ireland. And I always cry inside a bit. It doesn't say country of immigrants. It says country of citizenship. You are not a country of immigrants. You are a country of citizens. I really hope today has given you something to think about. I hope that you will share this show. I know it was a bit long and I apologize. I try to break everything down. I I could actually keep going, um, but I don't want to bombard you with stuff. We might come back to this topic. I, I, I'm sure we will over the next coming months because it's not going away. But what I've tried to do is break down the arguments that I've heard and try and make them as simple as possible. What I would love you to do is if you please share this show with your friends and your family. But if not, take the arguments I've used here and make them your own. That is one of my aims and goals for this year, is to break every argument down to its core, to its simplicity, that you can take it and then make it your own. I want to serve you by giving you all the arguments that you're going to see on the daily basis, but by making them simple, that you can digest them and then talk them out. But not that you're sharing John's points or John's opinion, but that it's so simple for you that it goes in your brain and then it comes out that you're your words, your opinion. That is what I want to do. I'm hoping to serve you that way. And I cannot, I am so excited for 2018. And I am so excited to work alongside you and to serve you. And to please, please, let's help this show grow. And let's get a message out there of liberty, of freedom, of American exceptionalism. Because we need to share that message now more than ever before. And 2018 is the year I'm going to do more for the freedom movement in America and around the world than I have ever done before. I am so excited, and I hope you will consider joining me for this journey, because it's going to be one hell of an exciting year. As always, we finish our show the same way we always do, by saluting the real heroes in society. We salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets, the men and women around this world who risk it all 24-7 for a brighter tomorrow. And lastly, if you've heard nothing I've said for the last hour plus, on immigration. Just remember this and never, ever forget it. America is great because Americans are good. Donald Trump does not make America great. Democrats and Republicans don't make America great. The media don't make America great. That job, that duty, that responsibility is on your hands, the listener, the American people. That is your job. America is great because Americans are good. And the day you stop being good is the day you die. Until next week at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week, America. See you soon. God bless. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network.